Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening, where we are set to continue our exploration into finding Christ in cinema, finding Christ in movies. It is great to to be back. I know it has been, oh, about three weeks since I've been in the studio because of the campfire. And uh, as it is Wednesday evening, I do have Father Mike Ritter with me in studio. So, Father Mike, great to have you with me. Hey, Joe, it's great to be back. And, it's been a while. Uh, it has been a while. And so before we jump into our movie tonight, A Quiet Place, which is just an extraordinary movie, I thought we might just speak ever so briefly about what's been going on here over the past few weeks. I have received a number of emails and actually received a few phone calls from our listening audience wondering about how I am, how you are, um, how this community's doing. And if nothing else, the one thing that struck me, as it's specific to the listening audience, is you and I come in here every Wednesday evening and we talk about a movie, but what we don't realize is that there are people out there who care. And as I was speaking to different people, whether it be over the phone or over the email, I really sensed um, a fraternal bond, people being genuinely concerned about our well-being and just not our well-being, but certainly those who have lost everything in paradise, right? So what I want to encourage our listening audience to do is just continue to do what you've been doing. If you've been praying, if you've been donating, if you've been giving of your time, do all those things. It is having a huge impact. Yeah. The one thing that I will say is that the community that's built around this project of reflection every week between us. I mean, I, I missed that space in my life personally. So I know that this project does create communion around our reflecting together uh, here in the studio and with our listeners. So there's something uh, refreshing about knowing that, that that's kind of far reaching. Amen. The other Amen. thing that I would say is this event, it really has been devastating uh, for Megalia, for Paradise, certainly. I mean, so many families have suffered tremendous losses. Um, and certainly this has changed the culture in Chico, really in Butte County. Um, so I, I, I'm very aware of that and sensitive to that. We've all met and known so many of these people and heard their stories and we see them struggling. It's also, though, uh, sparked a real um, outpouring of generosity in an overwhelming way from so many places from so far. And also just the, uh, you know, really the the outright heroism of so many uh, in terms of things that were done to get people to safety, in terms of real radical generosity, people opening up their homes, um, people coming out of the woodwork wanting to to provide for people. Um, Also just the heroic way in which human beings deal with catastrophic losses and try Mm -hmm. to move forward with with hope. Um, So this has been such a a significant event in so many ways. Life-changing, right, Father Mike? Life-changing for at least 52,000 people. Now, here we are talking about the campfire and the devastation of the campfire and how real it is. And from one Wednesday to the next, Father Mike, we talk about the world's stage and how it's not so unreal to us if we really observe carefully what we are watching on the screen. And in our selected movie for tonight, A Quiet Place, uh, we are introduced 
to a movie that, well, it looks like a bomb went off. Again, a post-apocalyptic movie. So as I was watching the beginning of this movie, I couldn't help but think of the devastation in the campfire. You mentioned the heroism that you have encountered. I have certainly encountered many heroes. This movie depicts, I would argue, the family bond as a collective hero. And I know this is going to be something we talk about, but just an observation. Here we are talking about a movie that isn't so distant from our very real experience. And, you know, in the beginning, we're never really told why or what happened. Mm -mm, We discover later on, just by reading it on somebody's wall, newspaper clippings, that there was an alien invasion, that these aliens, they kind of track you down by sound and and they kind of kill you to to make a noise that's really deadly. But we figure that out as we go along. So there is a very interesting kind of silent entrance into this post-cataclysm type environment. And one of the most like stunning things that, that comes out so crisply against kind of the barren landscape and the stunning silence of the movie is you have by, you know, very much a, an ordinary family living as ordinary a life as possible in very extreme situations. But there's a, you know, we come to find there's a pregnancy, they're kind of preparing, they're raising their kids, they're, you know, they're living life against the backdrop of traumatic loss and real danger. So it really does um, bring out very sharply, I think, the uh, the relationships, the characters, and just the human dynamic of this family against such a uh, a stark and silent and bleak landscape. It's, that, that really struck me right off the bat. As it did I, Father Mike, and <laughs> maybe I should say, the reason why we are doing A Quiet Place is because out from more than one conversation back home with my family this past Thanksgiving weekend— did they bring to my attention A Quiet Place? Hey, Joe, you and Father Mike need to talk about A Quiet Place. And what was really interesting is someone else said, but hey, guys, isn't that a horror film? And, you know, not watching the movie, I didn't, you know, have a whole lot to say. But it was my family and friends who who said basically what we've been saying here on air. Oh, no, this movie is so rich in its Christian themes, is, is so rich in its just not allegory, but dealing with human issues. There's so much to talk about. So I was very excited to watch the movie. And I tell you what, Father Mike, after watching this movie, I know it's been tabbed as a horror film, but it really isn't a horror film. Sure, there's elements of horror in it, but that to me is only sharp relief for the real dynamism that is the central piece to this movie, which is, again, the family bond and how they overcame uh, so much trial and suffering to exemplify what it means to be a, a real family unit. So again, the idea that this is a horror film, that's only sharp relief. It's the stage upon yep. which the human drama comes into such sharp focus that, that for me, you almost forget about the fear dynamic because the relationship, the relationship dynamics are so rich. It really is, Father Mike. So here we are talking about A Quiet Place, a film that opens with a family searching an abandoned drugstore for supplies, and more specifically, a prescription for their oldest son, who is apparently dealing with some sort of illness. We know that some terrible event has occurred and devastated society, but it isn't clear yet what that is. However, one feature of the scene does stand out, and that is the silence, right? The silence. And it's probably 20, 25 minutes before somebody talks. Yeah, 36, actually. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, incredible. I <laughs> Which is interesting. I mean, just to, you want to talk about motifs. I mean, and you pointed this out. 
that as they're looking for their prescription, the name, um, the prescription of, of this family is abbot. Yeah, what do you think of when you hear that word abbot, but monastery, monk, maybe hermit, silence. But also that's a rich parental image too, mm. I mean, to, to be a father. Yes. Uh, and, and that certainly becomes a powerful theme in the movie. Well, one of my more personal reflections as I was watching this movie, Father Mike, was as a father, am I silent enough? I was asking that question time and time again, thinking about all of the different scenarios that I have found myself in with my four children. Do I listen? Yeah. Uh, do I speak when I should speak? Do I um, speak out of turn? I was asking all of those questions. So yes, when we think about silence, we think about a monastery and and I've got to imagine the Abbott family, using the, the, the title Abbott, has something to do with that. Uh, maybe the filmmaker is wanting to encourage us to think about that, but applying it to our own personal life and our own personal relationships, there's oh, yeah. something there for all of us. And just somewhat tangentially, you know, this was a, a powerful acting performance on the part of everybody, really, because mm. there's so little dialogue, yet so much is communicated through uh, gesture, through body language, through facial expressions. And I, you know, I think there's something to be said for that just in family, um, in relationships in general, and attention to that. So much is communicated and can be communicated, and uh, this movie highlights that aspect so powerfully. And you know, maybe we don't think about that as much. One of the things that struck me off the bat, I shared with you, is everybody in the movie through sign language is always saying, "Listen, listen, listen," but nobody's talking. Yeah. <laughs> but but so much is there, mm -hmm. and I think we don't uh, value that enough. You know, in the very beginning of the movie. The uh, youngest son, uh, he's picked up a toy rocket, and the toy, the girl sister hands him the rocket. The parents have warned him that it's dangerous because of the noise it makes, but they take it anyway. And the kid plays it as they're walking through the woods, and an animal, one of these aliens, comes and kills him. And so that that becomes kind of a marked experience in the family memory as the time moves forward. Now we're half a year, a year down the road, and thirty some odd minutes into the the film. And this is the first time anyone speaks, mm -hmm. and it's a conversation uh, with the other son. And, um, you know, he asks, do you blame? Do you blame your daughter for having given that toy to him? And he says, of course, of course I don't blame her. And uh, do you still love her? Of course I still love her. And um, the, the son says, well, you should tell her. Mm. You know, and for that, for that to be the first dialogue, and that really uncovers what is one of the more significant family um, dynamics working itself out through the movie. That the, the daughter's re resistance to her father, her kind of turning away, running from him, from this deep sense of shame and a deep, deep, deep belief that he doesn't love her. Uh, for me, perhaps this comes to a pinnacle. They're on top of that granary, you know, like a tower, and uh, the aliens are everywhere and. And the, the, the boy is saying, just wait here. Dad is coming for us. And he's like, no, he's not coming. He's like, yes, he is. And she says, and this is so telling, uh, he may be coming back for you, yeah. but not for me. Yeah. Mm. And I'll tell you, as somebody who has felt this way myself in relationship to God the Father, I, or something that I hear so often, it's that uh, mark of, of shame mm. it creates this kind of uh, very paralyzing fear that. Um, Perhaps God is a good father, but not for me. Yeah. I think we touched upon this theme in The Maze Runner, mm. um, specific to a virus, right? And another post-apocalyptic movie, because uh, the young man who's dying is not fearing death itself, 
but dying as a monster, essentially dying yeah. in shame. So it's yeah. not so much death, but the shame that comes before death or maybe dying a shameful death. Yeah. Right? So it's not fear, but shame it that, is, that, that is crystallized for us. So it totally paralyzes their relationship all the way mm-hmm. along, and the Father keeps trying to love her. And not to give it all away all up front, but I mean, this theme is so rich that uh, ultimately the father, to distract one of the aliens who's about to kill both kids in a car, he screams out to draw their attention away so they can get away. And before he does that, the daughter sees him and he says, I love you. I have always loved you. Yeah, and she's looking at him with this gaping expression. Yeah. Once again, communicating something, not with sound, right? But with the, the language of the body. So he kind of the self-sacrificing, redeeming gift of, of the Father's love. At that very instant, the truck uh, kind of slides into freedom, and it's suddenly kind of a new, it's a new day. The sun is rising, and the, 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 the daughter discovers that the gift her father had given her and her hearing aid is what can repel and ultimately conquer the, uh, the, the evil force of the aliens. And so this, you really do have this resurrection, the, the, the salvation from the self-giving father, the, the rising of the sun, yeah. and the gift that is needed to overcome evil. Yeah, It's a yeah. very powerful, I mean... So evocative. And how about the mother mm-hmm. watching... the father lay his life down because she's down in the basement and she's got all of these screens and they had these screens set up in the basement just in case one of these alien creatures came up to the house, right? So she's watching all of this happen through one of the screens. She's watching her husband lay his life down uh, for her children. So here's the Uh, deal. So (laughs) Miriam. I don't want to cut you off. Here's the deal. There are two scenes for me that stick out. And in, in these two scenes, all of the members of the family are present. The first conversation that you, we hear with the father is this first one. Do you blame her? Do you still love her? Of course I do. You should tell her. And we see the sister has returned to the bridge, to the place where the boy died. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we're spliced to a scene of the mother looking at the boy's empty bed. And at the same time, this conversation is happening between the father and the surviving son. It says, you should tell her that you love her. Now the second scene, he's there saying, I love you. I have always loved you. He's telling her. Mm-hmm. And the mother is watching. Yeah. So both the the initial shame, the initial, initial loss, the initial wound, and the whole family is present to that. And then the moment of redemption and the, the kind of liberating word, uh, and the whole family is present to it. I mean, this whole family involvement um, it's just these two scenes for me are the linchpins. Well, the fact of the matter is you cannot have a proper stitching together of this story and the Abbott family unless you draw out how the death of the youngest son is impacting each family member, right? So we have to remember that what affects one affects the whole, right? What affects one family member affects the whole family. And yeah, the writers and filmmakers did a beautiful job of not only capturing the impact of the loss of the youngest son, but how the family was brought even closer through the dramatic scene where Lee Abbott gave over his life that you so beautifully spoke to, Father Mike, uh, where Lee Abbott gave over his life that his children might have life in abundance, right? So a stitching together that can only be possible with three cameras on three different scenes. It really was masterful. You know, something else here, Father Mike, we have touched upon the family bond of the Abbott family, uh, what is its source? That was the question I was asking myself as I was 
as I was watching the movie, what is its source? And is not the source the love Evelyn and Lee had for each other, right? This movie was an acute reminder of the importance of the love shared and expressed between husband and wife. Uh, There was that real tender moment in the movie when Evelyn came up to Lee from behind, and she just gently caresses Lee, and he turns around, and they begin to slow dance to Neil Young's Harvest Moon, a a very intimate moment, just not in the dancing, uh, but also in how they were listening to the music. Uh, There was just an undeniable chemistry that was deeply moving, and I thought really spoke to the source of the family bond Uh, of that family bond seen throughout the movie in that virtue of togetherness. The family was together because of how uh, husband and wife, mom and dad embraced one another. And again, I just thought that scene to be really tender. Uh, What else about that scene as they were dancing? Well, we get our first shot that she was pregnant, huh? I mean, in the most unthinkable circumstances, they are willing to bring life into the world. That's what's so apocalyptic world. It's so powerful. It's such a stark contrast, just the barrenness and the the danger and the ugliness of the world around them. And yet this moment of tenderness, this commitment to family relationship and the commitment to bring forth life. And and, and it's so hazardous. It's so extreme that they have to figure out how do you, because you, you have this building tension. You know when this baby is born, it's going to cry. Yeah. yeah. For like gonna, 20 minutes, I'm like, what are you going to do about this? Right. right. And so they they've got a mattress that covers an entrance to the basement. They've got a crib that is padded with a cover over it. And they don't want the baby not to be without, they don't want the baby to be without oxygen. So they have an oxygen mask that's going to fit over the baby mouth. I mean, so the commitment to bringing life into the most hostile, imaginable environment for life. Unthinkable circumstances. is a very, very, very powerful um, word about uh, the, the, dignity of human life and the the uh, commitment to uh, the unborn. Th- that's just so powerful. I mean, it's surrounded by death. You have tenderness and this radical commitment to life. Even as the, the mother is struggling silently to give birth while the aliens are creeping, lying, and waiting, and, and uh, what she's enduring, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very striking kind of movement in the movie. The one word that kept on echoing in my ear time and time again when I was watching this movie was selflessness. Mm-hmm. Selflessness. Yeah. Uh, the, the scene, you know, her water has broken, she's going down into the basement, and she steps on a nail. Mm-hmm. And every human instinct, I think I yelled. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. I screamed when I saw her foot going to the nail. Yeah. And she was somehow, some way able to hold that in. Why? Because the life within her. Yeah. And then ultimately, she bore that great pain alongside of, of having to deal with the pain because she was about to deliver her baby. It was just extraordinary. Um, this woman was a hero. I had that in a note, yeah. too. One of the things that's such a central feature in the movie is just the strength of the mother. Yeah. I mean, that's so powerful. And even when she's not out there, she's, she's being spliced in into these scenes. I mean, yeah. she's very present and a very powerful woman. It's interesting. I don't know if you knew this, Father Mike, but uh, these actors... They're uh, married. The actor and actress, yep, they're married. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. married in real life. And that undeniable chemistry, it didn't surprise me. It's Jim from The Office, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. It it really is there. You can pick that up that it's real. Yeah. Yeah. I I did a little bit of research, and it turns out that from the filmmakers, you know, trying to get at what is this movie about, 
this movie for them uh, really represented um, the the reality of of parenting in a world where uh, everything is dangerous. Uh, to quote them directly, it says this movie is about being a parent in today's dangerous, fragile world where absolutely everything is life threatening. Mm. And to some degree, and this comes out in the dialogue, the the parents say to one another, "Who are we if we don't protect them?" And and on some level, for the filmmakers, this was a bit of a commentary on. Uh, the the fear and the anxiety that surrounds a parent's desire to protect their children from a world where everything th- seems unstable, where even the slightest thing uh, seems catastrophic. You know, so you have even a toy is deadly. You know, even to to fall and knock something over could wipe out the family. So it's kind of a, a hyperbolic kind of representation of this fear protection driven uh, parent parental reality. Um, so, so I thought that there was, uh, something interesting like that in that, and you could see that with the focus on, uh, the roles of, of mom and dad in this movie. Yeah. So you raise the question, Father Mike asked by Evelyn Talee, who are we if we can't protect our children? Uh, when does that scene happen? But right before he goes out to lay down his life for his children. So if we are going to properly respond to that question, and here I'm asking myself uh, the question, how can I properly uh, protect my children, but lay down my life for my children? And that doesn't necessarily mean die for my children as to actually die my final death, but die to self each and every day. This is how we protect our children. Uh, I love that point you bring up uh, from the creators of this movie, because it certainly hits home with me especially when you think about the place in which uh, she asks that question right before he goes outside to lay down his life for his children. I think a very important point. We have to remember something, too, Father Mike. It's not a great leap of faith or a great leap for the imagination to see this post-apocalyptic world and correlate it to the world we live in today. Uh, Many would say (laughs) in Christian circles that we live in a post-apocalyptic world. Well, how do we protect our children in a world that is so strife with evil? Well, die to self each and every day. What was I saying earlier? Uh, What was the word I spoke to? But selflessness. We have to embrace that selflessness if we are going to redeem the world we live in. We have to imitate our crucified Lord on the cross if we are going to bring about the unity that in the end, Father Mike, that uh, uh, we all desire. You know, those evil creatures that we see in the movie, they represent evil. They represent something that I think is very real in our world today. There's a real uh, representation of the fear that even the slightest misstep can be catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they, they have sand that they have to walk on, certain ways they have to walk, they can't wear shoes. They, You know, and, and I think that Again, in on the stage of the movie in dramatic form, this is a very real reality. The anxiety that's palpable in the film is a real anxiety for parents. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting commentary. I read uh, something else too, just doing a little bit of research that, uh, and I thought there was something to this, uh, this, and that is the fear of speaking out. Mm. You know that even to speak out can be deadly. Yep. Um, that you you don't want to make too much noise. And and I thought too that there there was something to an interpretation like that, although I understand that that wasn't um, on the filmmaker's mind. The filmmakers did make an interesting comment in response to these different interpretations, and they said, you know, the fact that 
people are walking away from our movie talking about these things yeah it's kind of so gratifying yeah and, and it gets to everything we've been saying on this program yeah filmmakers have, have been saying that quite a bit and to some degree that gives you and I the license to talk about what we talk about. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Yeah, the whole topic of whether or not you should say this or that is a very important one because we do live in an age where we love to not dialogue but monologue. We love to have our voices heard. You know, when we have something to say, make sure it's something worthwhile to say. Yeah. So you watch a movie like this, and everything that is said is so intentional. Father yeah. Mike, everything that is said is very specific, yeah. right? Everything that is said is <laughs> not without discernment, and I yeah. think that's something we need to take hold of. It was something that I left with um, at the end of the movie. I thought to myself, you know, every word is precious. <laughs> yeah, that and on the flip side, what, what struck me as is just, and you see this in every kind of danger scene, the, the fingers over the mouth, mm-hmm. whatever you do, don't cry out because you'll be destroyed. You know, whether it's pain, whether it's anguish, fear, you name it. But the one thing that's catastrophic is if you cry out and make too much noise, it's all over. Yeah. And again, this is a dramatization, but I do think that it represents in story form a real fear. Oh, yeah. Don't cry out. Don't make too much noise. It'll be the end of you. Yeah. And we're not free when we don't. Right. You know, silence is a virtue on one hand, but on the other, it can be very dangerous. Yep. There's the powerful scene, I thought, when Lee and his son were over by the waterfall. And he says, hey, I want to show you something. And they go behind the waterfall. Mm-hmm. And he just starts to talk. He says, dad, 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 you can't say anything. And he says, no, we are free to talk. Mm-hmm. And he screams. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, you know? yeah. and then the boy screams. And you just sense this decompression, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly, they were able to be father-son yeah. because they were able to speak as they desired to speak. And I thought that was another moving scene. Oh, yeah. I'm looking up at the clock, Father Mike. We are out of time. There is so much more to talk about this movie. I'm almost wanting to say we're going to have part two, but I don't want to do that. Well, you know what I would say is this is one of those movies that is so experiential, and particularly because there's so little dialogue, mm. that to make sense of this episode, I think it really is important to to experience the movie. Yeah. Because um, so much of what we've been saying in the world stage has to do with the act of observing oneself in the act of observing. Yeah. You know, and so really uh, watching this movie with maybe some of these thoughts in mind would probably bring out a lot of the richness uh, that, that might be there. And uh, I would, and we've put this out before, but I'd be very interested in hearing what we would get back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's th- throw that out there. You know my email, J-H-O-L-L-J-M-J at yahoo.com, or you can go to my website at joholcraft.org. Just hit the contact link button there and send your observation on its way. I would uh, love to hear from you uh, on this movie, A Quiet Place. You know, for me, Father Mike, in my final point, there is really a lingering question. I know we've talked about some questions that have come up in this movie. The lingering question for me that I left with was, if today was my last day here on earth, how would I live it? A quiet place is, in so many ways, an embrace of the moment because you don't know if you have the next moment. One week after the next, Father Mike, we talk about the world stage. Well, as you so beautifully spoke to it, when we observe self in the observation of what we see on the screen, we do have to ask those challenging questions. 
And the question I left with after the movie, and the question I pose to all of our listening audiences, do you embrace the moment? Do you live today like it was your last day? Because if you do that, then I think you are well on your way to becoming a saint. Amen? Amen. All right, Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Father, you are uh, our world. You are the one who uh, calls us to yourself. We ask you to pour out your blessings for us and on us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.